0: AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see Audit Board's award-winning platform. On today's show, we have Jason Mitford. Jason hosts the Jamming with Jason podcast. It's another audit podcast, which is why we wanted to get together and do kind of this collaboration um, podcast with each other. So um, a lot of interesting stuff that we talk about. If you're talking to Jason, there's probably going to be the topic of the importance of relationships and if you're talking to me there's going to be the topic of analytics or tech within audit um so of course those are two topics that we both talk about um something you guys might have noticed in listening to to the the audit podcast is i'll ask the question um like stand up on your soapbox or and, and tell me what you think or if you could grab every auditor by the shoulder and shake them and say do this one thing what would it be or i've asked that question in some form or fashion maybe not exactly those words but um just to kind of figure out what is really bothering people in the audit profession and so uh, of course i asked jason that and he was kind enough to flip it around and ask me um it's something that that you know i wanted to get out there also Um, but in trying to make it about the guests, um, I've not done that. So uh, thank you, Jason, for (laughs) for asking me that question. Uh, Shows his skills as a host, I guess, in doing that. So um, a couple other things I want to call out. Uh, Jason runs the Risk Academy. It's an online, on-demand CPE platform. There's a lot of trainers on there that they uh, lead the training that where you can get CPE. Some of the folks you'll probably recognize their names. They've probably been to your local IA chapter, or you've seen them on LinkedIn or something like that. So there's a link to the uh, Risk website in the show notes. Also throw in a link to Jason's podcast, of course. And then Jason mentions it on the podcast, but doesn't mention the name of the book, but he wrote a book on risk-based internal auditing. So we'll also include a link to Jason's book in the show notes. So Um, we didn't really do a whole lot of editing or anything in this one. It was just a, let's just, you know, get some time together, hit the record button and start talking about audit topics. So that's it. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It was one that I enjoyed a lot. Um, so here we go.
1: Hey everybody, it's Jason Mefford. I'm talking with Trent Russell today and we thought we'd do something kind of fun because we both have podcasts. So we thought we would just do a combined episode. <laughs> Not, so just try-
0: huh? Not just podcasts. We both have audit podcasts.
1: Oh, yes. We both have audit podcasts, which is a rarity, right, in the audit world. So if you're listening to this, somehow you found us, or hopefully you've clicked on it from you know, LinkedIn when we post about it or whatever, but there are actually audit podcasts out there. So maybe, maybe start off just telling us a little bit about your podcast. I'll tell a little bit about mine. Because again, we just want to kind of raise awareness and let people
0: know there's resources out here and they're free. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that's, that's, that's part of why I started mine was because it is a resource that's free and the idea of having to read a white paper or something to that effect just kind of drove me nuts. And then obviously the podcast medium is just blown up over the past, I don't know, five years or so yep. um, that it just kind of makes sense to do it. And to be able to get, you know, the CAE at a fortune 500 company and get their opinion, as well as get uh, the audit intern and get their opinion. Like if you watch the first episode that I did, which was just like a, you know, minute intro into what the show's about it's, I want to hear from the intern, to the partner on the engagement, to the CAE and get all their opinions, because I think they're all important. So um, that's really what ours is. There is, you know, no specific industry that we hit um, and try to on each episode discuss a topic that hasn't been discussed before. And um, usually the guest has an area of expertise that they can kind of dive into to, uh, to talk about that. So that's really what, what, what our show is about. And what's the title of it again so that people can know where to go to be able to actually access it too? Yeah, it's very complicated. It's The Audit Podcast. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. <laughs> well, after I did mine, because so, so a little bit about mine, mine is called Jamming with Jason. And, uh, you know, the title is a little funny and people that, that don't really, uh, you know, know, may not realize it's actually about Audit. But, um, you know, I'm a musician, I like to play the guitar, music is an important part of my life. And so I wanted to have a title that allowed me to talk about audit things, but also about other things than just audit. Because for me, you know, the focus of my jamming with Jason podcast is, you know, we, we interview, talk to a lot of CAEs. I mean, that's who I typically work with and coach. Um, but I talk about you know it's it 's a podcast that 's intended for chief audit executives, but any professional in internal audit risk or compliance because again that 's been my background too so sometimes we 'll talk about more risk management topics or compliance topics or sometimes internal audit because I was a chief audit executive twice right um, but it 's more than just that um, because I try to bring in psychology science mindfulness and music as well Um, because the purpose behind my podcast is not just to help you have a better career but to also have a better life and so sometimes you know it's a combination of you know interviews with people like chief audit executives or other experts uh, but sometimes it's just me talking me pulling out the guitar literally and actually playing a little bit and talking about some of these things that we all need as humans to be able to help us unlock our potential, have a great life, have a great career. Because um, the older I've gotten, the more I've realized a lot of the stuff you get told is BS mm-hmm. and almost the exact opposite of what common, s- common practice, right? Like the opposite of common practice is usually what you need to do to succeed, yeah. which is a little irony to it. So.
0: Yeah, I had a question for you then, because most of what my folks here, the listeners here, is audit specific. Even when I was doing a pre-call today with some with a, a guest and looked at their topic list and said, hey, can you take that? And how are you going to relate that to audit? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. We can do that. Um, so since this is a little bit different, what is something non-audit related? I think maybe even in the pandemic world that we live in right now, you're talking about um, mindfulness and those kinds of practices that someone should keep in mind. Like, what would, what would be a big takeaway that you could give someone on that?
1: <laughs> yeah, so one, one of the things, I mean, because I've done a lot of work myself, you know, and so again, being, being a coach, having gone through lots of coaching programs to try to improve myself I think one of the biggest things that I that I hope to bring to our profession is the fact that we we tend to get taught to always look at risk as a bad thing to always be in fear of the bad things happening and always looking for the bad things yeah. right so again even in this in this pandemic you know I'm sure a lot of people in our industries are freaking out because they see all the risk everywhere. And that leads to fear, but that emotion of fear is one of the lowest vibration emotions that we can feel. And it causes us to cycle down. And so again, things like emotional spirals, I'll talk about, right? Cause that's psychologically and mindfulness kind of based. So bringing in the science behind it, but also, you know some of the mindfulness and what some people call woo woo but it's it's actually backed by science and i've been studying this for 20 years so i know my i know my shit okay yeah. <laughs> i swear on mine i can't
0: i don't know if you do or not if you have to bleep but um no i'm looking for the the first the first one with that little e beside it that, okay <laughs> the, so this will be the first one.
1: <laughs> i've been waiting you've trying. been waiting all right you want me to throw a fuck out there too or something yeah. but anyway <laughs> I just, uh, you know, because I, I, I knew like when I started off, I, I didn't have the E next to mine mm-hmm. and I realized I was kind of holding back. And so I just marked E with all of them. So, nice. you know, some, some of the episodes are going to be completely clean, but some of them I, m- I might be using some words. But okay, back, back to our thing, right? Yeah. Is because we, we tend to see the world as negative, you know, we're thinking like everybody's committing fraud. So we're always looking for fraud. Right. The problem is when you are trained to do that in your profession, it carries over into your personal life. And so I tend to find that, you know, a lot of people in these spaces tend to have a negative outlook on the world. Right. And instead, so, so I'm trying to help people get out of the fear and actually learn how to manage their emotions. So that they can see the positive in the world you know because you take something like fraud and everybody's always every auditor wants to talk about fraud yeah, oh yeah. fraud 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 fraud, fraud right yep. every time every time on C risk Academy that we do a webinar on fraud it's like 1500 people sign up yeah. <laughs> you know and um, but but the reality is in your organization there's maybe one to five percent of the people that are even committing fraud 9five mm-hmm. percent To 99% of the people are doing everything the best they know how, but when we view it from that negative lens, then we start to believe that everybody's trying to screw the company, right? And like I said, I've seen that in my own personal life. I've seen it with other people that I've coached as well, that that tends to carry over into our personal life. And I got to tell you, if you want to be happy, if you want to feel joy, you got to learn how to click that off. And, and quit doing that in your personal life. So that's that's why I kind of get off on some of these other side areas as
0: well. Yeah, it, and it sounds like it's separating the office from the home life almost, or like a different take on that. Like you have to be able to shut off the, I'm not looking for the thing that you're doing wrong, you know, like just walking yeah. down the street or whatever. Um, and I can see that because I was talking to a a guest that's going to be on the show soon and about fraud and talking about how you you've probably heard it you have to put yourself in the shoes of the fraudster and think like a fraudster to find the fraud and so I can imagine if you're constantly doing that you know from nine to five or whatever that once Mm -hmm. five o'clock hits it's hard to turn that off so when you see something on the news or um, you know whatever you immediately think worst case scenario or that person's lying or and if you're watching the news you're probably writing anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well that's one of the worst things you can do if you want to manage your emotions yeah right I think, because because they're they're targeting they're trying to get you scared yeah
0: yeah and that's um we we're talking about back in that kind of talk with science i was talking to somebody today again about something similar lifetime fitness the company you know the mm-hmm. gym you know you mm-hmm. got whatever they stopped showing as policy um Fox News and CNN and MSNBC because of the impact it has on your health. And they said, we can't be a company that's about health and then put that kind of stuff out there. So, um, all right, that's pretty interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, it is. And actually, cause I, I even almost take it a little further in that. I think a lot of these positive beliefs and views and changing how we think emotionally even needs to be brought into audit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, And the reason for that is we have a poor perception in the organization. We're the people that tell everybody they can't do this or they can't do that or they have to put in more controls and they have, you know, have to manage all the risk, have to do all this stuff. And I think actually we would be better served to even apply some of these principles more in our organizations You know, if, if you're on an engagement that's specifically about fraud, okay, flip the switch, think like the fraudster the rest of the time, don't use that same lens because everybody else feels your energy and feels like, oh my gosh, I'm doing something wrong. They're going to find something wrong. Oh my gosh. What do you know, kind of a deal. And that is not the way to develop a relationship with people in the
0: organization. And that's something that we've we've touched on a little bit on mine is about the relationships. And it's something that we don't talk about enough to the extent that I feel like probably make that a standard question is is some somehow related to relationships, how it's a lack of relationship has impacted you as an audit leader or someone in the audit uh, department or the benefits of having a relationship. And for the, we have talked about it in one episode and it's something. Kind of the advice that was given was, or the way I took it was, I've been told for years. You know, as soon as I graduated college, it was develop relationships. You got to have good relationships <laughs> it's about the relationship, and you're just like, I don't care. Like, just give me the work. I'll do the work. They'll be impressed by the work, and I'll climb to the top, kind of thing. Uh, and it took, I mean, almost ten years until it kind of hit home that it is about the relationship, and how important it is and then also talking about happiness there's a a study or, or uh, yeah i guess it was a study that i read about the number one thing is the relationships that you have in your yes. life is the kind of the key to happiness more or less and so when you think about that it really honestly is about the relationships and if you put all the the stuff aside the politics the uh you know for vendors the wanting to sell something if you just put all that stuff aside and you do make it about the person in the relationship, there is a, there is this like level of joy that comes with it that is nobody believes you <laughs> <laughs> You tell them that until they put effort into it. Um, and then once they do like the light bulb just kind of went on uh, for me anyway. And I was like, okay, this is actually what it is about. And that's not lip service from trying to sell some kind no. of product or service. I genuinely Want to have a relationship with someone, um, especially in internal audit and compliance, because that's what I enjoy doing. So, Mm -hmm.
1: well, it's interesting because you know you you made reference there, right, to that to that study. That was the Harvard study. I'm thinking it's probably the one that you're looking at, where they actually, I think it's been going on for over 50 years.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. It's
1: the Harvard study from 50. So what they did was they actually went back and they 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 followed these people who graduated from Harvard over the course of their whole lifetime. Some of these people, I think, are it it was it's either 50 or 75 years. It's a long period of time, and that's what they found is that you know the healthier a relationship that someone had, that was the biggest correlation of them feeling happy, uh, being healthy mm-hmm. as well. So it wasn't just their emotional state, but literally their physical health was affected by it as well. Now, when you when you throw that out there and you start talking about relationships with auditors, you know what I always get the feedback on? Oh, I can't have a relationship with people in the organization because that will, that will uh, be a problem with my objectivity. to which I say, bullshit, (laughs) right? You can still be objective and do your job, but if you don't have a relationship with people, you really can't provide the full value that you need to in the organization. Mm -hmm. And so anybody who's complaining about, I don't have a seat at the table, nobody's listening to me, they don't find internal audit relevant. Well, if you're saying any of those things, it's because you haven't developed those relationships.
0: Yeah. I and when mean, you
1: develop those relationships, the other things take care of themselves. Yeah. Um,
0: what C-level executive isn't going to want someone they have a good relationship with to be at the table with them? You know, I mean, literally with, like you think about your best friend and the stuff that you include them, or your, or your friends, the stuff that you include them on, it's the same thing. Like they, you know, it's, I don't, I don't know. I, I wish... It didn't take me so long to figure it out. And I hope that the way you're telling it or the way I'm telling it, that somebody listening uh, between our audiences will go, oh yeah, you know what? You're probably right. Yeah. And again, I mean, cause that's, that's what I'm trying
1: to get people to do. Think a little bit different, change the world, be different, be yourself. And, and you'll be much happier. You'll be much healthier, but you'll also be able to add a lot more value to your organization. You know, and and I think, you know, you mentioned there about the relationships. You know, I, one of the companies where I was CAE, I noticed a big difference in my effectiveness when I got invited to the executive leadership retreats. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once a quarter, we'd go spend two or three days away. It was the top, you know, 10, 15 executives in the company. We'd go play golf because our CEO loved to play golf. I, I kind of believe like Mark Twain, it's, it's a one mile walk wasted, but anyway, <laughs> I don't, pref- I don't prefer, I don't play yeah. golf yeah. really, I but people, I
0: tell people I have clubs.
1: I have clubs. I haven't pulled them out of my, out of the, out of the box in eight years since yeah. I left that job. But anyway, but, but it wasn't, it was being with them on the golf course having the dinners with them being in those meetings, but even more importantly, it was me hanging out at the bar mm-hmm. after the dinner with some of these people and actually developing the relationships. Some of the mentoring actually that I got from some of these people was fabulous for my life as well. You know, there was one guy who was head of sales. He was at right at the end of his career, man, I learned a lot, right. About, about how to be a leader from him. But I also, by developing that relationship, was able to learn a lot more about the organization Mm -hmm. and it made my job easier as a CAE.
0: Yeah, because there's going to be information for most people withheld when they're talking to Mm -hmm. audit, regardless of it's the CAE or the intern or whoever. So to be able to have that and then to be um, comfortable enough to tell you that, uh, yeah, it does make a huge difference. Because then you know, I mean, you have that... More or less, you we shouldn't call it inside information, but you kind of do have that mm-hmm. uh, that information. So
1: you do, and 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 you can balance. You know your, uh, I mean, I I used to you know tell people. I mean, it's like it's like that sales guy, right? If if he was doing something wrong, I liked him. I was friends with him but I knew that I had a professional obligation to do my job. Mm-hmm. So if there was something that he or someone in his team was not doing that they were supposed to be doing, as an example, I still had no problem because of my personal integrity to still be objective the way that I needed to be, Now, yeah. in, in the way that I can. And that's another fallacy that that if we go back to psychology, most of us believe that we're much more objective than we actually are. So I get a lot of people, you know, an audit that are almost self-righteous about, you know, Oh, I'm so objective. No, you're not right. (laughs) You know, again, there's all kinds of cognitive biases and lenses that you're viewing and bringing to what you're doing that you're not really as objective as you think you are anyway. So quit trying to hide behind it and just do your job and help your organization yeah
0: absolutely hey everyone thank you for continuing to listen to the show we want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at audit board the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk audit board's integrated suite of easy to use audit risk and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit SOX compliance risk management and security compliance automate processes and improve execution with audit board's purpose-built solution which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see audit board's award winning platform in action today. <laughs> um, a, a question that I wanted to ask you, and that I ask every guest, so maybe the listeners are, are looking forward to it. Usually, there's usually a good answer that comes from it, but it is. Your... <laughs> it might not be for me, but anyway. <laughs> Is like your, is your soapbox topic, though, or your the way I typically describe it, maybe a pet peeve within the audit world, the way I typically describe it is if you could grab every auditor by the shoulders in the world and then shake them and say, do this thing, listen to what I'm saying, uh, and maybe relationships is, is that or a piece of it, then what would that be? And the reason I really would like your opinion is you talk to so many different CAEs from, from your podcast because it's been around for so long and because of what you're doing through um, your training platform with C-Risk, that you get exposure to those people, and then you've also done it yourself. So you've kind of, you've been in it, but you're also looking at it from the outside, also, you know, looking at it from the outside, looking in now. So what what is your what is your, your soapbox topic? You? <laughs> Re-
1: reach through and shake them a little bit. Actually, it's, little funny. Bit. It's, it's funny that you say that, because I said, you know, I'm a really kind guy, you know, on my podcast, mm-hmm. but sometimes I'm going to reach through and I'm going to shake you, and I might even slap you a little bit because you need to hear it, right? Yeah. Uh, because I care about you. I care about people in this industry, and and so for me, kind of a soapbox side of it is, I've I've been in this industry for a long time, decades, <laughs> right? And I and I've been through, I've been in those positions, and. The profession publicly tries to talk about how relevant and how important we are to organizations and we're a profession because we, we do the QAIP. Well, that's bullshit. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's just because you do that does not mean that you're going to be relevant and valuable to your organization. Now we do play an important role in governance in an organization but you have to earn it. And you can't just stand up and say, well, I'm the internal auditor. You must listen to me. Right. Right? And, and people actually doing that and taking that sort of an approach has been hurting our profession for a long time. Because again, we get viewed as the negative people, the people who are jerks to work with. And, and again, what I've seen from, a lot of these major downturns that we've gone through you know if you rewind back to the late 90s to the early 2000s to 2008 and now with what we're going through now all of these different events that we have lived through has lessened the relevance of internal audit in most organizations and some people are going to go what are you talking about well let me let me try to explain when you, when you took something like you know, the dot-com bubble and, and, and the introduction of Sarbanes-Oxley, it pushed internal audit back into more of a financial reporting compliance role. At the same time, organizations started developing or creating separate compliance, risk management functions, other internal assurance functions that historically up until that point internal audit had done a lot of that work. Now, I think one of the reasons is we haven't been doing as well as a profession as a lot of people are telling you, Mm -hmm. because there's, there would be no reason for the, for the companies to create these other groups if we were doing our job the way we were supposed to. And so because there's more of these functions now that led to the whole three lines of defense model, right? That didn't exist. You know, I'm just trying to remember when it came out. I think it came out, it must've been like 2008, 2009, something like that when it first kind of came out. Why do you think it came out then? Well, 2008, everybody started creating more risk management functions and other stuff. And all of a sudden we're like, hold it, just a minute. There's this second line of defense now that there never was before. How are we gonna deal with this, right? Well, that's because again, I don't think we've been as relevant um, as we need to be. And so, you know, quit, get off your high horse, quit trying to be idealistic and just be practical and do what your organization needs. If you want to be relevant, develop the relationships, provide value for what the organization needs, quit, quit, worrying about the historical stuff and actually take more of a risk based approach. Yeah. Now that's another little soapbox for me if you'll indulge me for a minute cuz you know that concept came out about 25 years ago and still to this day I would say 90% of the auditors misunderstand that concept. They risk rank what they think is important mm-hmm. instead of actually tying and thinking of risk from an objective standpoint, right? And actually tying it back to the objectives and working with the organization that way. That's why I wrote a book about it you know, 10 years ago because nobody was listening. People still aren't listening. That's why I created a whole certification course on risk-based internal auditing mm-hmm. because people still aren't getting it. And, and until I think we, we understand those concepts more too, it's going to be hard for us to prove our relevance for people because, because we come in with some ticky tacky little thing, right? Oh, you know, we found that 20% of these reports were not approved by the right person. And the executive looks at us and goes, so yeah, can you help me fix this $20 million issue that I have over here? That's the bigger risk folks. Yeah. It's, it's not the ticky tacky compliance stuff that we've been doing it's helping them actually you know deal with and maybe get more assurance about or improve the processes around some of these major risk areas strategic level risk areas but yeah. we're not we're not going there and we should be
0: that's one of the things i think that drives me nuts also is this is what this is what we're going to test these are the controls we're going to look at these are the risks that we found and it's like just ask the person. Just to ask. I uh, like <laughs> to think that you would know their process better than they would know it is insane. <laughs> and something, something interesting that I was thinking about, um, or maybe I even read about that. What, what was? Yeah, I was reading about it. Sorry, a couple weeks ago was the idea that if you ask somebody in that in that process, you know, say there's four people. You ask all four, what's the process, you'll get different answers from each one of them. So even then, like they don't know, the business doesn't necessarily know every aspect of that process. So to to and they're in it every day. All that to say, yeah, just ask what the ask what the risk is to them and what they care about and pose it as the way I say it is, pose it as yeah, we're internal audit, we're also process improvement, and think of us as your own in-house consulting firm. Like if you went and hired um, consultants from a McKinsey or something like that—you would want them, you know, think of internal audit as those people that can help you almost get to your uh, like a, meet your objectives with their help is the way I see it because you can you can use internal audit to facilitate the change that you you need to happen. You know, there is some authority within inter- internal audit that can help drive the things that the business needs to meet those objectives. So. All that to say, yeah, just ask, just ask the business. What's the risk? What do you want us to look at? Why do you want us to look at it and and work that into the plan?
1: Well, and I think it's funny, you know, as you, as you said that, it actually <clears throat> reminded me of an exact conversation that I had with this, with the CAE about this, right? As he said, you know, I'm, I'm doing my audit plan and, you know, uh, trying to, trying to come up and I'm not really, you know, sure we've got this ERM function now and they're kind of doing their own, their own risk assessment. And I'm doing one for my audit plan. And I said, well, cause my, my, my suggestion is just use the ERM risk assessment. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, why aren't you using your company's ERM risk assessment to determine your audit plan? And he said, well, because they're a little too high level. They don't really get down to the detail level that I need in my audit plan. And I said, why, why do you think you need to get down to that detail level? And he said, well, that's always where, where we've been auditing, right? That, those are the, the process level, the transaction stream level, that's, that's where we audit at. And I'm like, do you think that has more value or those strategic level risks Know, which one do you think would provide more value to have assurance on? And he's, hey, you know, what, at first, and kind of then the light bulb went off, and yeah. he's like, Oh, I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, you're spending all this time and money in your company to do this big ERM risk assessment. We should be basing our audit plan directly off of that yeah. and not try to be so far down in the weeds. You know, if, if you're so far down in the weeds, The executives don't care about what you're doing. Why? Because they're dealing with the strategic level risks. If we don't start working at that level and try to help them solve the problems that they have at that level, you're never going to be seen as being relevant. You're just going to be seen as another cost of doing business, another compliance function that we have that we have to do instead of actually helping them and helping the company achieve its overall strategic objectives.
0: Yeah. And you were talking mindfulness earlier. I think there's a level of mindfulness that comes with that. And we are now in the weeds too much and being aware of that and pulling yourself back out of it to look at, at the the uh, the high level objectives and risks and things. So to circle back to your, you know, kind of some of the topics that you, you hit on in, in your podcast.
1: Well, so I'll, how about if I flip the flip the question around on you to kind of you know help us close out a little bit because we we could go on for hours, but I'm yeah. sure people need to get to doing whatever they're doing. But what's kind of your soapbox item?
0: I think so. In addition to the podcast, um, I do data analytics for other internal audit departments, and what kind of drives me nuts is when there is no adaption or want to um, of adapting to technology. It is one of the easiest ways to get uh, wins and to get that trust with um, executives and with management. Is to use the technology like there's no reason, definitely no reason everything should be on paper. Um, The tools are out there now, like they're relatively cheap enough. They're, I will say they are cheap enough. And there is for every, every audit department, there is something that can be used. Like I know there was, I was talking to someone, they're an audit department of one and they're like, yeah, I, I understand the value of analytics or at least I'm being told the value of analytics. So I know we need to work on it and get it incorporated, but you know, how can we do that? And even with that small audit department of one, there is a process that you can use and there's tools that you can use to get analytics into your department and to get more tech into your apartment. So there is, you know, there it's just the overall lack of wanting to change and wanting to integrate technology into the audit department is, is kind of what drives me nuts um like I think every department should have a developer more or less and I especially the large large ones if you can get somebody that's a technologist that's a developer and just put them into your department the amount of value that they're going to add once they especially if they don't understand how audit works but you know once they kind of get acclimated to it it's insane so I think that's my biggest soapbox is when I talk to somebody and they have no initiative to want to make the department better and they have no initiative to use technology to do that.
1: Well, and it's funny cause actually, <clears throat> you know, as I'm thinking about both of the soapbox items we've been talking about, and again, this is, you know, it's personality wise a little bit, you know, when you, when you kind of analyze, cause a lot of people that, that gravitate to these professions are fairly square. Mm -hmm. Right. We, we fit, we fit into, we like to be compliant. You know, we're SCs on the disc profile. If you, if anybody's familiar with that for the most part. And so we don't like to rock the boat. We don't like to do things that are a little bit different. We're afraid of change. And, you know, again, I see that from both what I'm talking about of, well, you know, for hundred years, we've been auditing the same kind of stuff. And now what do you mean? We have to start auditing something different. Uh, yeah. And people are like, ah, that's change. I don't want to do that. Right. Same thing with you. You know, every audit now has an element of technology to it. And if you're uncomfortable with technology, if you're scared, if you're going, ah, I don't understand it. I don't know how to do it. Well, we need to figure out how to do it. Yeah. Um, and, and you can, you can bury your head in the sand, you know, be the ostrich, but if you do, then just realize that you're losing more relevance and eventually people are going to say, why do we have this group over here? They're still trying to audit us like it was a hundred years ago and they're just totally missing the boat. So we do have to change. And that kind of gets back to my whole idea of fear. I want people to quit living in fear fear of change, fear of whatever else, right? And just actually embrace it. Yeah, Change your mindset, change your story about it, learn how to do it. Because um, if you don't, you know, the world is moving forward. If you're not moving forward with it, you're moving backwards. It's like you're on an escalator, you know, that's going down. And unless you keep moving forward, you know, and if you move forward slowly, you kind of stay in place. If you just stand there, you're going to end up back down
0: at the bottom again. Yeah, exactly. And that's what you can do it incrementally. You don't have to (laughs) (laughs) thousands and thousands of dollars to get the tools in and understand them. Um, like, and I'll bring it back to the podcast. One reason for myself that I started as a, uh, self-development type goal was I've always been the person that, and probably most of us are, I want everything to be perfect. Okay. Now I'm prepared to do that thing. And I knew with the podcast, I knew how many steps there were to doing it and to get it on a routine basis and make it a process. And instead of, I knew myself would want everything to be laid out perfectly. Now record the first episode. And instead it was just like, I think I even made a post about it on LinkedIn. I just kind of got a wild hair one day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can't record!
0: Yeah. I was like, hey, i want going to start an audit podcast. Uh, now I just got to figure out how to do that. And so that's kind of where it started and just like, go get a guest that's one thing that I need. That's the, you know, pivotal piece of it, hit record and put it out there. And so, you know, slowly, but surely we've kind of developed this process for the show and um, have added all kinds of, you know, intros and outros and all the, that kind of production stuff. And I think it's the same way. If you are not using tech right now, you don't have to just make a complete like 180. just start somewhere and add a little bit to it. Even if that's just, you know, using Excel more often or something as a, as a stepping point. But, um, so that's probably the thing, um, that I would say. And then also we're talking, we're talking soap boxes and my other big one, because I think you kind of did two also, right? So I'm going to do. Okay. Um, you,
1: you, you get to, it's fair.
0: Is, <laughs> is the idea, uh, and I caught myself saying it, that it is just the tool and I don't think this is super new information. And the idea that just because you have the tool doesn't mean that's going to fix the problem or if you've invested, you know, $20,000 in analytics tools licenses that you're going to be data driven or anything to that effect. And so what what I always tell people is, and what drives me nuts is the, the department that buys a license for everybody and says, we're all going to start doing analytics and uh, we're going to be data driven and... Um, you know, we're going to be cutting edge and I'll say analytics is a, is a, is something that you have to enjoy because it's constantly learning. It's always changing, you know, this tool now, but in a year, there's going to be a better tool. There's going to be a cheaper tool. you are going to want to switch. And so like my pet peeve is just the folks that buy the tool and think that now they're going to be using analytics. You have to find the person in your department, that already has an interest in it and then work with them to get them skilled up to where they can use it so if you don't have somebody that's already doing stuff in excel or someone that you could talk to if you want to get that incorporated and say i want you to go through and talk to each member on the team or whatever however you have it laid out look at their the audits they have coming up and and figure out how you can use analytics even if it's just in excel to do some of the the work you know if that person doesn't exist, then you're, you're basically, you're wasting your money and I've seen it. I've advised people don't do it that way. Don't just go buy the tool and assume it's going to work. They do it anyway. And then a year later they say, um, yeah, we don't really use the tool other than I've given this example, we take samples with it. It's just like, <laughs> you've spent $35,000 to do something you can do for free. So it's just, that that's my biggest one. Don't assume that the tool is going to work. Um, and don't assume that once you get the tool, that people are just going to gravitate to it and all of a sudden become technologists uh, to, to use the tool effectively and get that ROI that's that you're looking for.
1: Yeah. Well, and like you said, trying to have everybody in the department do it is usually a waste of your time, you know, one or two people to begin with, because, because as you were talking to, I was remembering, you know, it's, and sometimes it's frustrating. I know it was frustrating for me, because I always like to make quick progress. I'm a type A kind of personality. But it's, you know, we have to have patience as we go along too. these incremental steps are the things that are going to get us to where we need to be. Yeah, you know, and it's, you know, the last CAE position that I went into, I remember, I, you know, I, when I first went in, I asked the CEO and CFO and a few people some different questions as I kind of went around. You know, it's like, well, do we have a mission statement? You know, do we have a vision? Do we have values? What about policies? You know, I'm asking all these kind of fundamental things. And when I found out that none of that stuff really existed, right? I knew that I had to, it's hard to audit when there's no policies, right? And so there was some work that we had to do to begin with uh, before we could ever really do what I had envisioned that we'd be able to do. And it took four or five years to get to that point, you know, and that's that's just the way it is. So yeah, you know, don't think you're going to accomplish everything overnight. You're all on big, huge battleships and they take time to turn. And, um, you know, but just slow and steady wins the race. You do a little bit, um, and you'll end up getting to where you want to be.
0: Yeah. I think the first step is you subscribe to the jamming with Jason podcast (laughs) Podcast. (laughs) and the the audit podcast. podcast. Those are excellent (laughs) first steps. everybody. (laughs) They are. Well, this has been fun. Yeah, it was good. Appreciate it.
1: I hope everybody, uh, hope everybody enjoyed it. Give you a little flavor of both Trent and myself. Um, but yeah, no. know, seriously, um, you know, I know everybody's looking for free stuff. People love free stuff. Podcasts are free, my friends. So, you know, go out and listen. You know, when you, when you listen, when you hear some of this stuff, I mean, if you want to go deeper in it, then reach out to me. I'll let you know where to go deeper to get into a course or some other kind of thing if you want to learn more about it. But like Trent said, it's a first step. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes just listening and going, Oh, hold it. Right. So hopefully even something that we talked about today gave you a little bit of an idea. So now just make a step, take one little step
0: this next week, um, to get you closer to where you want to be. Yeah. And we're both active enough on LinkedIn, shoot a message there and we'll get back to you.
1: You can find us. It's, it's easy to find us on LinkedIn um, so yeah, just reach out to us because I, I know I'm here to help. I know Trent's here to help because um, we really do care about our profession and want to want to help all of you. So reach out.
0: <laughs> all right.
1: Well, this has been fun, Trent. We might have to do this again in a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think so. It was good stuff. Or just have you on as a solo episode. I think I'm going to get a lot of f- positive feedback and especially because this is going to be the only episode with that little E beside it that we talked about. <laughs>
1: So, for all of those that like my potty mouth, I'll be back, oh, huh? Yeah. <laughs> all right.